0: Mindset Athlete podcast and I'm your host James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian and owner of James Roberts Fitness which is an online training nutrition and mindset coaching business and each week on the Mindset Athlete we like to bring you inspirational athletes a message or experts talking about human optimization to teach you how to change your perception of your mindset and become one percent better. And on today's show, I've got Caitlin Connor. She's the founder of Be More Adaptive. So, welcome onto the show, Caitlin.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Obviously, I have interviewed you in the past uh, and, and, and it never got off the ground. So, for the listeners that obviously never got the chance to listen to that, that episode, can you give a brief introduction to yourself beyond the introduction I gave you?
1: The shortened version is uh, five years ago, I was in motorcycle accident where I lost my left leg below knee. Um, I had a lot of loss in the family at the time. I lost my brother um, right before the accident, found out my mother-in-law had colon cancer. The year after that, she died. A year after that, my mom got leukemia and died. Um, just a lot of grief that happened all at once um the kicker was when the accident happened i didn't know it, but i was 4 weeks pregnant at the same time um she is now 4 years old and full of fire and tons of energy so that's the very short version um of my accident i started doing sports um in 2016 uh, i I looked in the mirror and I didn't like what I saw, so I knew I needed to start working out or doing something, and it started out with one 5K pushing my daughter in the stroller, and then it moved from CrossFit to cycling to triathlon, so swim, bike, and run, Um, all the track and field events I could get my hands on, uh, air rifle shooting. Anything that I could touch that was Paralympic in and, and some sort of way, I, I tried to test it out to see what I could do. Um, down to boxing, became the first female amputee boxer in the U.S. Um, I have now figure skated. I'm working on speed skating and getting an actual prosthetic built for that so that we can establish a sport and not just do the sport. Um, and Spartan obstacle racing as well
0: a lot that's a lot to take in (laughs) in terms of what you've done you've done when people ask me oh what's the sports and I kind of said uh a few I think you go and surpass that by a lot more and some
1: that's uh I think that's because it's really hard for me to focus on one thing I get bored with it or um some little change happens and I like to try new sports so um it gives me energy to try new things.
0: But what do you think what do you think it is from a focus standpoint that you can't stick to one sport specifically or do you think it comes down to the fact that it doesn't on the one hand drive you and give you that hunger to to want to push and to stick to that one or do you think it it comes down to something entirely different
1: I just like to do a lot of different things all the time and uh, at one point I was working towards the Paralympics and cycling Um, at first that started out triathlon and it moved to cycling because cycling was the worst of the three sports for me so the idea was to go to Tokyo for cycling become the best at the worst three sports right and then um, be able to master triathlon by mastering the worst of the three sports um, and then I got into a car accident, which changed how I r- ride the bike. Um, every time I hit a pothole, I could fill it in my neck and my back where I had herniated disc. Um, so that kind of changed my path and I had to take a lot of time off. And in that time I started doing some figure skating and then figure skating led me to speed skating. And that journey is kind of, that's been a slow journey because we are trying to actually take the time to do it right, not just hop on the ice and say, oh, look what I did. It's, it's building the actual prosthesis and trying to develop the sport and not just doing it just to do it. Um, and then somebody asked me to do a Spartan race, and I'm like, well, why not? So all these different little things come in and push me in different directions, and I just like to do different things all the time. It's really hard. At one at one point, I was training for triathlon, boxing, and something else. I can't remember track and field, I think. And so all the different mediums. Oh no, CrossFit. That's what it was. It was CrossFit, triathlon, and boxing. Two are bulking sports. One is a very lean sport. So my body um, got pushed into a standstill between the three sports because. They're very different, unique styles of sports. Um, So I didn't really progress too much between the different sports because I was doing too many different styles of sports at one time. They didn't complement each other. Um, So, But I enjoyed all of the sports. So for me, mentally, I loved it, but my body didn't progress athletically, so to speak.
0: But in terms of the athletic one, and you you talk about – Sports in a sense complementing each other I can't think that many I can't think of many sports that do in the in in any field that's oh, yeah. why you, that's why you have to kind of spe- well so to speak specialize because they're gonna on the one hand kind of take away. And obviously, some are going to benefit, but the, but the actual notion of I'm not saying multitasking, but experimenting with with sports at a young age, I think it gives you different skill sets that you can.
1: True, and I on. didn't start sports until three years ago, so I don't. I didn't really grow up with muscle memory and things like that from doing sports and training and actually practicing. So I, I learned that at an older age where I wasn't quite as easy to mold. But some sports do complement each other. Like, for instance, speed skating, figure skating work well with cycling. Um, triathlon, swimming and cycling work really well for running, not the reverse. Um, swimming is the one you should do the most. Cycling, you should do the next most. Running, the least. Um, swimming helps all three. Cycling helps cycling and running, and running is, you're just running. So um, some sports do complement each other, others not so much. So I, I was splitting my focus too much to fine-tune the sports, which is um, a lot of the reason I realized uh, the Paralympics, or at least Tokyo, isn't something I'm going to accomplish, because I don't dedicate my time enough to one sport especially as, as a mother doing triathlon and all these different things and being a stay-at-home mom. I just didn't practice enough to be on that elite level.
0: But then, Caitlin, you talk about that you came into sport quite late. Obviously, I've got to know you over the past, I'm going to say, a couple of years now. And you talked about recently on your your Facebook in terms of – before you had your amputation, you used to be in pageants and things like that. So the, the, the actual nature of competitiveness has been there for, from a young age, I would have thought.
1: Oh, no. So no, absolutely not. I was in one pageant. <laughs> My mom entered me. in a, She came home. and She said, by the way, I entered you in Miss Texas Teen, which here is a pretty large pageant for the age group. And I did not want to do it. I had to learn how to walk in high heels. They said, the pageant coach said it looked like I was walking on cinder blocks. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to learn how to do that, which later in hindsight was a good practice for me when I had to actually learn how to walk on a runway, especially on a prosthetic in a high heel. Um, but other than that, I wasn't competitive. I was more of the Miss Congeniality personality type. I showed up and I didn't work out i didn't diet like the other girls did my mom tried to make me go to tanning booths which i skipped as much as possible like i did not want to do it
0: (laughs) so in terms in terms of like a a a mental aspect and for the listeners do you think that's and i I don't want to put words into your mouth in terms of it's it was an idea or thought process that your mother wanted you to do
1: Oh yeah, she wanted me to do it. She wanted me to be a model of sorts and, and be Prissy. And I was so much a tomboy. I had two older brothers and we all beat up on each other. And I would go out into the woods and walk by myself. And that was just what I did as a kid growing up. We had goats and we, we farmed and worked in my dad's video store back when they existed. And, um, that was it. That's what I did. I didn't have much of a story. I didn't do sports. Um, I did band, really kind of half-assed. <laughs> I never practiced anything. It it literally took me almost losing my life and having to learn how to walk multiple times while pregnant. And, you know, I, I broke my leg again, After you know, while, while I was pregnant after I'd amputated. And having to restart walking, something that simple, was what I needed to realize how important practice is.
0: Why well, it's the extreme, isn't it? But in terms of the the actual personality trait characteristics of, of oneself, then do you think until you succumb to that amputation and, and that actual extreme, if we're going to put it from that sense? You were a bit more of a procrastinator at times.
1: Oh, yes. I was a procrastinator. Uh, I was very much a quitter. I still have my quitting moments uh, to this day, but I have more initiative now. I have more focus and reason to not quit. Um, So I I try to hold myself accountable by making myself understand that others are looking to me as an example, um, including my daughter. So it's more of a reason for me not to quit. Whereas before, I didn't. I didn't have that kind of influence. I didn't have people looking to me for anything.
0: But would you argue you, had, you didn't have? I won't say you don't have a role model to emulate. But in terms of looking at it from a motivational standpoint, as a figure to for somebody else to want to to aspire to, do you think it was on the reverse? You didn't have. Like you said you didn't nobody was looking up to you but vice versa you had nobody to want to push you in terms of what necessary your goals were Then that depends when, you, when you, you're not quite sure what those are that makes things yeah. a little bit more difficult
1: yeah, I, I didn't really have that role model or I didn't see anybody necessarily as a role model at the time and I didn't have goals I had zero goals. It was pay your bills on time. That was my goal in life. Like, there was no aspiration to do or complete anything. Um, And that changed when I started creating simple goals after I lost my leg. I I set two simple goals, to walk and to run before my child, which I had plenty of time. They were obtainable goals, um, but still close enough to push me. Um And then once I reached those goals, I didn't stop. I started setting more goals. And then I started setting more goals after, you know, continuing to reach them. And I didn't really have a, a grasp of doing that before. I, I never set goals. I never really achieved much before because I didn't know that I could and I didn't allow myself to.
0: But I would say you would do because you obviously need to – Uh, conform to what the norm is and wanting to make your family members proud of you. So be obviously finishing school and things like that. it's, it's, it's it's a mundane kind of goal and it's quite, I won't say mediocre, but in terms of it it is conforming to what the norm is. You're trying to live up to uh, the standards that are being set by your parents
1: Yes, and no. Yes, because I did do things like go to school and go to work and try to pay my bills, like mundane life goals. But no, in the sense that I didn't actually set them as goals. I was very much just moving to move um, because I thought that's what I needed to do. It's not because I actually considered them goals.
0: Well, that's in loose terms as I. Like- being in comfort and that's obviously what most people don't associate is it's like well because you're following the sheep mentality it's what you yes. need to do you kind of don't think of it as anything differently it's it's when you uh, loosely step out of the norm and, and start to do things uh, how would i put this that you want to accomplish, you you hear comments like you've changed and things like that. Whereas it's like, well, no, it's not necessarily you have changed per se, but the importance you put on yourself and wanting to succeed in whatever event, venture that may be. I think others are fearful of that. It's like, well, you're not conforming within the norm. I don't like this. You're coming outside these, these, these these lines.
1: I I don't know though. I, I see people that their goal was school, right? That was something that they created as a goal. My goal was I did it because I thought I had to, I had to right? this person over here though. Their goal was to, to not only do school, but excel very well and try to do the best. And so to me, that was more of a goal than what I was doing. I was running through the motions and, I didn't set goals. I didn't go back and check my progress. I didn't do these things that are involved with goal setting. Whereas this other person, say my best friend, who was a salutatorian in my school, um, went on to get her master's and, you know, just became the best version of herself. She had goals. She would sit there and write down things and go back and check. I never checked. I, I hardly did my homework in schooling. When I was first starting, the first couple of years, I just did it to do it. I got really lucky and I passed my classes without doing homework. But uh, I, I didn't, I didn't work at it. I didn't do the work that's involved in goal setting.
0: Well, I'm probably similar to that notion. I was never the out and out academic. Okay, I've got the the well, not the awards, but the certificates on the wall for from from institutions. But I was never the, 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 the academic, it was never my goal that like you talked to be uh salutatorian, valedictorian. That was like, yeah, yeah, no, no, I don't want to put in the work like you said. It's like, no, 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 no. I, and I know from the the, the outset, okay, I know families that are, why couldn't you achieve It's like, well, because those people are setting it out as a goal. To me, it's not, a, it's not. Something That's the difference. It's not—it's not important to me. It wasn't. It's not a buzz. Whereas I think where my school was did, there was no boundaries in terms of what you would call uh, stereotypes. Whereas I didn't see that until I was in senior year in high school. Whereas oh, there's you be so much adult- I didn't see
1: until, until I was older, especially evolving revolving around school. I, I look back and I'm like, wow, I really just didn't see that. The stereotypes, the the lack of teaching that I had, the lack of I I really didn't have a role model in school. Uh, My parents, I loved them to death. They didn't really help me with homework. Um, I didn't have anybody sit there and say you need to do your homework, you need to go back and you need to practice this so you pass this test. I didn't have that person in my life, so I didn't find it very important. And it was until later that I looked back and I was like, man, I wish I had that kind of role model. Um, And so now that I'm a mother, I want to make sure that for my daughter, um, that she's got that kind of person in her life. It doesn't need to be the person that's sitting there writing her and and aggressively making her do homework, right? But somebody who is there encouraging and not just homework, encouraging being the best version of yourself.
0: I think I was fortunate. I did have that person in my life. And we were talking about it off air in terms of. I'm um, the support. I've even had it from both sides of, of the fence, be it my mother being supportive and my aunt being, well, I talked about it a few days on somebody else's show, in terms of why don't you get a real job? And because wow. I had that, that supportive person in my corner, and well, we can call it positivity, it's like, well, I'll hear, you're out. I'll hear out your argument, but I don't agree with it and I'm going to prove to you that my path that I want to accomplish is, well, I know it's worthwhile to me because I wouldn't have done it otherwise, but to prove to you it is an alternative method. Okay, I'm fort- I was fortunate it was a paid profession in this country, in the UK, so it is an alternative. So if you are good at sport. If you are dedicated, passionate, and have that hunger to 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 achieve it, it is it is a career path you could take down. So that I had once I shown that willingness to not falter without cause, they jumped on board as well, and and they were very supportive. But it took probably having that person in my corner to say. I'm gonna do it anyway, kind of mentality, whereas if I hadn't had it and like you talked about i might I might have succumbed to that, and I did gosh more recently kind of go that way because like well, your venture isn't working and I'm not gonna uh, I'm gonna be as transparent like my actual business in terms of coaching wasn't working, so a lot of family said, well, you're gonna to have to go back and get a nine to five job because you we're worried about you in the long run so I was probably we're gonna say less of that mindset that I had 10-15 years ago maybe a little bit longer of okay you 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 have my best intentions at heart I'm gonna to succumb to it and kind of conform like the rest of it mm-hmm. that the, the world does
1: I I had a lot of years of my mother, especially would say, why don't you get that, that nine to five? Why don't you get that job that provides insurance and protection in those ways? And for many years, that's what I did. And I hated it. I did desk work. I was really good at my job, but I absolutely hated going to work. Um, And I had to take that leap of faith to do something bigger than myself uh, that was not the easy path. Um, I started a nonprofit, uh, in December and that's not something that's easy. I kind of wear all the hats right now while I'm trying to get things in line and it's been a learning process the entire way. And it is still, even though it's been difficult, been more fruitful, even in this early stage, um, than I could have imagined. And if I had sat back and not taken the path that I did, um, I wouldn't be where I am today, doing good things for other people and and, and pushing this, the adaptive community to actually join forces and come together.
0: But do you think, it, from that perspective, Caitlin, it, you think it's more difficult in the U.S. to become... Will coin the phrase of your 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 organization organization. Sorry, to be more adaptive because of obviously the magnitude and the actual size of the country doesn't facilitate things of that nature.
1: I wouldn't say it's easy. It's not easy to do anything that's ever a startup, and even a nonprofit is a startup. It's still a business, but it's still so much easier in this country compared to other countries to do what I'm doing. Um, in other countries. I would be highly frowned upon forever thinking anybody with a disability could walk outside. Um, And that's part of what I'm doing. I want to change that mindset across the world. Um, And in our mission statement, I think it mentions the word world. And in the beginning, when I was creating the mission statement, um, I had a couple of people say, oh, you need to make it more narrow. It's too broad. It it covers the world right now. You should start with just the U S or just North America. And, and to me that was borderline offensive in the sense of not offensive. I use that term lightly, but in the sense of what I'm doing, isn't just for one place. It really is for the world. So not why not start off with what you intend um, from the very beginning. And so um, I fully intend For the organization to cover the world so that the world, which is full of adaptive beings in every country, in every part of the world, um, is literally more adaptive. And I wish people would understand if, if we are more accessible across the world, it doesn't make us inaccessible for anybody else. If we make the entire world accessible, it just makes everything else easier for the entire population, not just people with disabilities. And that comes to learning, that comes to walking or going across sidewalks, going to events, anything like that. It doesn't make it inaccessible to anybody by going through that action.
0: Well, if you go a step further as well, Caitlin, in terms of the actual phrase itself... Be more adaptive. It's a mindset. It's it's it, mm-hmm. it, it's it's well. I will loosely use the 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 phrase of being adaptable, having adaptation to to the actual problem that is being put in front of you. You find that you're going to find a solution to that, and it is a sense of being um flexible in a way to 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 make that change. So for me. I know people will t- coin the phrase, you will face adversity. Mm-hmm. I never saw it that way. I, I've kind of brought, been brought up with the disability. It's not adverse. This is what is being put in front of me. How am I going to adapt to it? Mm-hmm. No, but that's my story that, that that I've told myself growing up because – I've not been colored. put in this bubble of, oh, you can't do this or you can't do that. It's, what have have you got to lose kind of mentality? You can be good at something or or bad. And it's told in a joking way. Like, well, okay. Nothing's holding me back to say I can't do it. Let me see if I can achieve something. So I think that mindset for me from the very off is one of, um, positivity uh, one of my guests said when you've got an outlook on life going forward of curiosity you more likely you want to do something
1: yeah and I feel that your mindset can honestly be your biggest disability um, and that, that applies to every single person in this world um, you can I, I like to think that today I'm missing a leg, tomorrow I'll still be missing a leg, yesterday I was missing a leg Which one of these days, depending on my attitude, was I more disabled? I am still missing the same amount of leg at the same amount of health level. But because of my mindset, I may or may not have disabled myself more on one day than the other day. So like the mornings I get up and I'm like, I don't want to put my leg on. I would rather lay in bed. I am further disabling myself. Whereas today I got up real early. I made the bed. I started working. I am less disabled in that sense. And that's purely mindset. That's purely I'm going to get up and I'm going to go win the day and do something with myself compared to I don't want to get out of bed. Or <laughs> today's awful. It's raining. I can't do anything I want to do. You know, it's it's all mindset. And that's part of why Be More Adaptive is Named be more adaptive. It's it's meant to apply to the world entirely, and that would be also people who aren't uh, physically or mentally disabled. As a nonprofit, yes, we focus on physically and mentally disabled people. Uh, use whatever term for disabled that you want. Right, everybody's got their own term. Um, I use it just as a definition. It's not to be insulting, but um, you know, at any one point, somebody can be disabled whether it's mindset or they wake up and they get out of bed around and they sprain their ankle. Guess what? You're temporarily disabled for whatever reason. So that's kind of goes back to the making the whole world accessible applies to everybody. Everybody's on this ticking time clock called age and everybody is aging. And at some point we are all getting that much closer to a wheelchair if we're not already there. Right? So why not consider yourself in the future in that sense? And people don't always apply a disability to themselves. They don't think, oh, tomorrow I'm going to get cancer. I'm going to be better. And tomorrow I'm going to get smashed by an 18-wheeler. I might be missing part of my body. Like, at any one point, somebody can be disabled.
0: Yeah, but thinking like that, Caitlin, in terms of some of those... um Pessimistic ideas, some might say, and <laughs> develop fear <laughs> in terms of, in terms of so, so nobody would want to look at that, those, okay, they're extremes.
1: I don't think of them as pessimistic so much as realistic. As in the day that I got hit by a car, I didn't wake up and and say, oh, I can't go outside, I'm going to get hit by a car. Or, oh, I'm going to go outside, nothing's going to happen to me. Um you know, I, I live my life thinking whatever is going to happen to me is going to happen. How well can I be prepared for it? Um, or how well, like you said, can I adapt to it? And, and it's going to be your mindset that either makes that process quicker or slower. It, it'll never be a painless process. There's always going to be pain. It's how well can you accept it and move forward from it?
0: But I think when that comes down to it, I think having, uh, and I'll, I know people don't like using disabled. I I'll, I'll use it from an impairment standpoint. I think it does put you in a good uh, and prominent position because you've got to be that much more adaptable, be it from just the nature of, of, of the beast that it is, having to use an aid uh, to get around. So you, you are very much more flexible in terms of, getting things done i think I, I think my personality helps me that much more because i'm quite laid back anyway uh so when people or, or things do come adverse and this will be even people i work with in terms of obviously uh, with, with you know fixing the prosthetics there be the prosthetists and things like that and, and the, the technicians there seem to be at times I'm not gonna say pessimistic, but their, their outlook isn't oh we wanna make it perfect. You gotta go start from square one again, okay, it is money. But time I'm I'm of that of probably an optimistic and a realist. Oh, if it's not if it's not perfect that's okay you got to tweak it because it's it's unique to one set to to the to the user so it's not going to be perfect it, it, you're trying to fit in a sense the casting the check socket etc to within the general sense of what it needs to be or as if it's functional to me aesthetics i don't really care whereas whereas on the other hand maybe with somebody else that is important because it's going to aid them with the confidence uh, and, uh, and overcoming the trauma they want, They may have faced with having had the impairment later in life. Whereas with me, I've done all the aesthetical things when I was younger. Whereas because they never worked or it could never be from the, the, the complexion of the skin color, it would either be either too light or too dark, depending on the time of the year. So oh, I. Exactly. Went,
1: and you get I a sunburn or something and that changes.
0: <laughs> well, it's the, the, I think the only way they'll be able to do that would be, I don't know, some kind of synthetics and it'd be more AI within, within the, the actual, um, within
1: the mean? device itself.
0: Well, that's going to obviously put the the, the price of it where it's, where it's sky of high. But so <laughs> yeah. to be able to do it, whereas for me, I think it, later on as a teenager, I would mess around with the, the, I think I've had a red one, a blue one, and people would say, oh, it looks like a tattoo. No, no, it's not a tattoo. It's a full length prosthesis covered in material and obviously carbon fiber of that. And then I think once I went to, to university, I said, well, Within the comp, the, the components so that those on a limb per se is something that's nece- like a cover, covering the pole a necessity. Mm-hmm. They said no, and it's an actual workload for us to do it on. Okay, we can discard it and let you have to do less work. But in terms of that, I think it comes down to the individual. It, it obviously is going to be help them come to terms with where they're at okay, some are going to be able to deal with with, with that shift more easily than others. But I, I do think the ones that are probably more open-minded, flexible, and adaptable, like we've been saying, obviously, I think progress a little bit more qu- quickly. But that's a generalization a little bit.
1: I, I agree with that, though. I mean, I, I think one of the best things I did right after the accident was accept – that my foot was going to be gone. As soon as I stopped rolling from the motorcycle, I sat up, I looked at my foot, I saw its condition, and I said, Okay, that's gone. Now let me focus on breathing slowly and not losing more blood, as in not losing more limb. Not everybody thinks like that, especially in the middle of the scenario, right? Um, the way I think is a little unique in that situation, but it ended up saving more of my leg, and it helped me to move on quicker. Um, and the fact that I accept it, and accepted it from the start, gave me less phantom pain. Um, I amputated quicker, I had less muscle memory of the pain. Things like that benefited me in the long run. Um, and as far as wearing a prosthetic cover, or things like that, I can't commit to one color. <laughs> Um, for for me or one design, like for me, if I'm going to dress evening attire one day or I want to do something athletic or, or edgy the next day, that may not be the same look for me. Um, so for me, I just stick to carbon fiber and I just, I just kind of wear it and own it the way it is because that's who I am now. Um, with be more adaptive, we started pulling in more fashion designers and people willing to make that process easier. that want to make it not only easier but cheaper to to create your own style with a medical device um so that is something that is becoming more obtainable these days um five years ago when I was brand new to this no none of that really existed and if it did it was ex- super expensive um, so I I do sense times are changing and becoming more adaptive friendly in that sense um, everybody wants to personalize things. How can we do it quicker and cheaper and and make it our own? And how can we find our own designs? And so people are realizing it does, if it doesn't exist, maybe I actually am the person who can start inventing this. Why can't I? Why shouldn't I? Nobody said I couldn't. Um, so those minds are making it easier. They're bringing, it, bringing their products to the market. And um, it's, it's making it easier to express yourself these days. Um, at least in the countries that allow expression. Um, you go to countries where expression is not allowed, just forget about it. Um, I, I promise you, you go to a communist country, you're not allowed to wear something that in any way, shape or form expresses how you feel with what you're wearing. It's, it's just not something. So um, to that sense, we should be grateful that we even have the opportunity to express ourselves.
0: And you talk about the, the the word is eluding me now. Uh, in terms of the, oh gosh, I can't think of it. In terms of, oh, we'll call it the fashion symbol, but that's not the word I want to use. But in terms of, do you think it's more orientated or, or more associated with female users as opposed to males? Or you think that would,
1: I think it's changing. I think initially, yes, more female. Um, but I am definitely seeing more men wanting to express themselves in a fashionable way. Um, in the sense of having an edgier design that is, is manly and rugged and, and not just the female versions that are out there. Um, it just goes down to being able to express your unique style. And the more people express what they're looking for the more those products will come to um, yeah I've in be more adaptives closed group I sent out basically a, a fashion post asking people to say what they're missing in fashion whether it's easier access to their prosthetic by zippers or buttons that are fake buttons but they're actually magnets things like that half the half the posts are actually from men. And it's because they have problems getting dressed too. I mean, it's, it's a simple ease, ease of access issue, which, which is not biased. Um, having clothing that is inaccessible is not biased to race or gender or sexual preference or political stance. It's, it's a problem everybody has. Um, so the more people express what their issue are, issues are, the more designers can address them.
0: I like might, and you raise a good point there, Caitlin. I think from from a designer perspective, I think generally, for me, it would be shoes or sneakers would be the problem. Be um, mm-hmm. or oh, what's the new fashion? You know, in terms of the, uh, it's higher up on the ankle, so it's like one com one solid unit. So it's like, well, can't I'll be able to get that on on my ambulance side, but yeah. no chance we're going to be able to to get it on me. the the prosthetic side so that's a no go.
1: Yeah you're you're starting to find more shoe brands actually that are um, becoming easier or more accessible in the sense of you can go to Zappos Adaptive and you can go to Patty and Ricky and find these designers out there in one place that are creating adaptive designs and they have now tennis shoes with zippers that go from one side down to the bottom up to the other side um, for children who have mobility issues um, so that they can actually put on their shoes and gain some independence. And also uh, adults uh, kind of throwing out the Velcro look um, that we wear as children and you're finding, um, you know, more of those zippers and more of those different little hidden hidden magnets and things like that to keep it on your feet, depending on your mobility and movement level, right? Um, somebody who is running in a tennis shoe will certainly have more wear and tear on a shoe than somebody who's just sitting in a wheelchair, not necessarily walking on their shoes, right? Um, so there are a lot of different designs are coming to and coming above. It just is taking your expressions of, what is difficult and sitting down and thinking of little ways to fix them and designers are are moving more towards um, accessibility for clothing across the board and also doing it in a fashionable way um so that these don't look like hospital gowns you know it's we're we're trying to make it something we actually want to wear out in public not something we feel like we're wearing to go sit and eat some oatmeal in front of the TV. Like (laughs) we want to be able to go out in public and feel confident in what we're wearing, not only because we got to put it on ourselves, or maybe our caregivers could put it on quicker and easier. um, But also because we like how we look and how it feels on us.
0: But then but then we probably can go a step further than that, Kayla, in terms of the confidence issue. Does come from oneself because it, it is obviously a spectrum on, on where you are in terms of how to coin it mental health in terms mm-hmm. of where you are in terms of how you perceive yourself, w- how you're gonna actually I don't say interact with others, but how you perceive how other people view you, and that's the first the first definition of, of, of how you're gonna uh, identify with somebody else. You're gonna make an opinion of somebody. In an instant, good or bad, no matter what, even if you've not even got to know the person, uh, and you kind of get that vibe. Well, I do, I don't, I either do like you or I don't, and and you don't. And some of that
1: is subconscious there. too. Some of that is not something you intend. You don't intend to look at a person. Ideally, um, depending on where you're located, you don't intend to look at a person and go and and even think about what color they are. Or even think about, you know, how they seem to appear in sexual preference. Ideally, you're just looking at a person and your mind is categorizing somebody. And having the ability to turn off that category system is nearly impossible. um, Because you're just taking all your different life experiences and you're relating this person that you haven't met before to some other experience in your life. Or some other person or something that's occurred. So, You have to learn to, even if these thoughts come into your mind, because they're going to happen, it's natural to have whatever thoughts, you just look at a person, you categorize them based on what they're wearing, how they speak, who they're standing next to, if they have a dog or a cat, whatever, right? Your mind is going to automatically do this. It's up to you to hear that and shut it out and say, well, let me see if I'm wrong. Let me go up to this person and approach them and actually take the time to learn who they actually are, not based on my subconscious creating a category, right? Um, and you have to, to do that in a sense with yourself. You have to get up in the morning and, and not look in the mirror and say, oh my God, I look awful today. Let me cover that up. You have to look in the mirror, accept who you are, and then give your chance, uh, give yourself a chance to kind of say, "Well, this is how I feel right now, looking at myself." But maybe if I give myself ten more minutes and a little more understanding, I'll look in the mirror and I'll see something else positive about myself. Um, And like my life goal is to not care what other people think. (laughs) It's impossible. Um, but to a balance, you know, you, you do to some degree want to care how you are affecting those around you in, in a sense of, you don't want to be making every person you walk by cry. (laughs) Like, I I don't want to be that person. That's not what I mean. But in the sense of if, if I go on Twitter, YouTube, or all these places and the internet trolls come out and their only goal is to say something negative to me, to bring me down, I want to be able to look at them and go, Psh, their opinions don't matter. And it's it's taking your opinion matters, the ones you love matter, but over the ones you love, your opinion matters most about yourself. You know, you should be able to look in the mirror and love yourself. And if you can't do that, then you need to take the time to learn how to love yourself and how to accept yourself. Because if you can't, why would you expect anyone else to? Oh,
0: dear possible i would say it's impractical at times because i think you can't obviously please everybody as you said and going in that notion of uh, trying to please everybody uh, and like you said in terms of you have to love yourself first and foremost that's where it gets difficult at times because you get stuck in your mind per se, trying to get things off the, off the ground, whatever venture that is for you more specifically, mm-hmm. because you're stuck in your own head as, as, appo- as opposed to thinking, well, if I put it out anyway, I don't care. As you said, what people are going to say, I take on board the positive criticism mm-hmm.
1: when I ask
0: for it to make something better for the greater good but on the flip side where most people find themselves through be it fear or apprehension to doing something new they're already jumping ahead however many steps in the future and looking at it well what's such and such going to think about it is it going to get shot down And I'm no different. That that does occasionally occur. And and I do take that step back and say, well, take it on board. See what the rapport to it is, what the engagement level is, and don't read 100% into it in terms of, be it, I think, society is fixated you know that instant gratification likes whatever retweets
1: follows uh, shares
0: and all that comes with it with social media and actually look at the the root cause of it and what we talked about in terms of in terms of if you you like it for yourself and as i think the guests i was speaking to yesterday as we're recording talked about it well, i think I think in terms of that actual self love and, and coming down to the willingness in itself to obviously have that buzz in terms of you're doing it for you, for you when that that oh, light bulb moment we'll call it that's the easiest way of terming it comes to you I think that's enough for you. And then obviously anything beyond that, once you've put it out there, be it in this platform, be it podcast, content writing, be it blogs, Facebook posts, Twitter, um, Instagram to some extent with with the, the, the written portion of the, the image and be it per se, the actual picture for it, creating a story for you and be it, Leaving lasting memories, obviously nostalgia and whatever it comes to it. So it, it obviously picks, paints a picture for you as a person. So that's I think it's very much, if you use photography, paintings, it's very much on the word eludes me now. Um, come down to matter of opinion in terms of whether you like you you like or dislike something, and obviously when a picture is concerned it is a memory for you so it ha- it has an emotional attachment to it so i think in terms of you being able to uh, being able to relate more to that than the former of actually having that quick fix quick buzz that obviously likes and uh, shares and whatever you want to call it gives you i think it puts you in a better position
1: yeah, I think it all comes down to having a balance. There's There should always be a balance of, you know, what's acceptable to you and what you will actually, you know, stand up against. Um, and I think if you're, all your content that you're putting out into the world is positive, then I, I think you're perfectly fine if, if you put out something positive and somebody still comes back with something negative, that's somebody you shut out. Um, and you don't have to be negative to them. You don't have to feed them in that sense. You don't have to take what they say to heart if, if its intent is to hurt you. Um, if it's constructive, that's different. I appreciate constructive criticism every day um, because if you're actually there telling me something that may be considered a negative, but it's meant to help me, and you're putting it out in a way that's kind, um, then yeah, go ahead tell me tell me your feedback. Um, if you're doing it maliciously and with anger or hatred, then you can just go over in your little corner and pout, like go over there. I'm not worried about you trying to do things here. Um, but I think everything comes down to a balance in life and, and, you know, I, I try to put out as much positivity in this world as I can. The world is so negative. I don't ignore the negativity. I, I don't ignore when I feel bad or when I have bad memories or things like that. I I talk about them then I move on from them Um, but I but I also don't talk about them in the way that involves other people if that makes sense Um, because I'm not trying to bring negativity to other people Um, the only reason I ever bring it up is so I can get it out and move forward Um, and try to continue having a positive lifestyle negative negativity doesn't really help in the long term I
0: wouldn't even say that. I wouldn't even say it helps in the short term. It's it's it it it, it depends. I think obviously where you are placed at that particular time, from a mindset uh, and and manifestation of actual mindfulness, how that's going to have an impact on you at that particular moment. Obviously, if you were very on that spectrum of further up towards positivity. It's not going to bother you one bit because you'll you'll look at it and say, "Well, pfft, I don't agree with that." And um, let's put it to one side. Whereas I think if you're yeah. further down that spectrum and kind of, I don't say spiral out of control, but you are going downwards in terms of be it per se that you you listen to um, negativity, And you let it affect you, you let it affect you, and you actually start believing it you can't, you can't actually, we use the metaphor of obviously with you with the boxing, you can't punch back.
1: Yeah. If you, you if you let them punch you and then you punch yourself back too, you know, (laughs) how, how do you ever feel you can fight back against the world like that? So, I mean, um, the, the person I was before I lost my leg and even that first year and a half, two years, very much would just punch myself back. Um, I didn't stand up for myself. You know, if somebody told me something negative, I believed it hands down every time. I got told all through grade school I was ugly and I just believed it. And I'm not I'm not the kind of person that's saying, Oh, I'm a beautiful person or 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 whatever, but I now have enough respect for myself in the sense that I can go out on a runway and 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 be a model and do all these things that before i thought i was never able to do because somebody told me something negative and i believed it and now if you like i still have these negative thoughts of myself when it comes to appearance because that's years and years of letting somebody tell me something that i shouldn't have listened to so i'm still having to fight off i mean i didn't lose my leg until 24 now i'm i'm 29 Um, So, that's 24 years of believing what I consider a lie. That was somebody who was intending to hurt me, who was intending to say something not constructive. Um, You know, if they actually cared, they maybe would have said, hey, have you seen this face wash? Um, It's giving me great results. Maybe you'd like it. Something more positive instead of, god, you're ugly, or whatever they would say, right? Um, So, I had to go through all this amazing amount of loss um, to understand that what I have is enough to respect and enough to do something with. Whereas before that's not what I allowed at all. I I believed all the negativity. I, I believed that I would never be a star athlete. Therefore I never tried sports before.
0: I think that's where the differences between the two of us lie. I think in terms of the actual, I can't really even say it's between the differences in, in, in sex because that's not true. Cause you said you were a tomboy. So, so in terms of that was my belief system from a young age, I wanted to be an athlete. Okay. Not per se with the, the avenue I went down, but it was, <laughs> in my subconscious in my psyche we'll we'll call it from day dot but obviously that's uh not technically true but that's what i wanted to do i okay for some people it might be firefighters police officers whatever that's their goal okay do you do the most uh realize that dream or outlook that they have for them for themselves probably not but for me to be able to realize that it obviously takes some amount of fortitude to, to want to pursue it but to be able to accomplish it great satisfaction but moving on to to my next and penultimate question to you kate and i think it's nice to do it if you had to get somebody to challenge or change their inner belief system from what you have learned through your, your traumatic experiences, but your life experiences, how would you get them to do that?
1: You know, and that's something that I still continue to do. I still continue to challenge my mindset in the sense of what I've experienced in in my lifetime versus what others have experienced. Um, I encourage people to challenge Challenge their belief system simply by talking to strangers, by having enough openness to share part of yourself with a stranger. Every time I get into a cab or an Uber or something like that, I share my story with the taxi driver, Um, not with the intent to hear my story again. I get tired of saying my story, but the intent is to share something personal and open up to another person. And what you find what I've found every time is you learn something about a complete stranger that they probably have never told anybody in their life because the thing is you're a stranger they probably won't see you ever again right so they have they have they have no reason not to tell you something personal um, because it can't come back to them right unless you say you murdered somebody don't don't do that but <laughs> But um, every time I've shared my story with somebody, I've learned something about a complete stranger. And it's always every single time has taught me that everybody's life experiences are different, that everybody goes through traumatic pain and that overcoming it is human nature. If you allow it, um, I I was doing a running study and at a university in Colorado and I had an African taxi driver and we had a language barrier and we didn't, we couldn't speak very well to each other, but we wanted so badly to speak to each other. We had the initiative, the, the, the want to speak to somebody so bad that no matter how bad we didn't understand each other, we still made the effort enough to get our stories out to each other. So I shared my story with him and then what I learned next was heartbreaking. This was his second day back on the job after his 18 year old daughter had passed away unexpectedly. Um, I, I don't know if he'd spoken to anybody about it before. Um, I can almost guarantee you he hadn't talked about it with another drive, you know, another person in his vehicle yet. But, you know, I think about if that were my life experience, if I lost my daughter young, I would be heartbroken and to, to be off and have to start going back to work because that's how you survive. I, I don't know if I could survive that. Everybody's been given these life circumstances that they're meant to handle. They're strong enough to handle. Um, and, and they're all unique to that person. And the only way I learn these things about people is by opening myself up to them and they do it in return. Sometimes it, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes people, they, they're still so closed off, but I guarantee you the effect of you sharing something personal with them lasts beyond your encounter. Um, even if they don't share anything personal with you in that moment, um, it, it may be something that, you know, they take home with them, that changes their mindset, that kind of softens their heart. And, i I haven't had a single regret talking to a stranger about about something personal um, to myself because of that um, and it's it's changed the way I think about people strangers you know that initial subconscious categorizing thing you do um, i I will force myself to become personal with somebody even if I'm uncomfortable with them um, not too personal like I'm not going to tell like st- stories about my boyfriend or anything. But when it when it comes to opening up to people, I I make myself create a personal conversation um, intentionally so that I can kind of face the fear of the unknown. Um, When you categorize somebody, when you when you you know put them far off and, and, and look at them by the way they're dressed or something, that's just your body's reaction to fear. You're you're creating the fear of the unknown by categorizing somebody and being afraid of something you're not used to. So I like to overcome that by making myself get comfortable with fear.
0: And my final question to you, Caitlin, before we wrap up the episode, if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be?
1: Be more adaptive. Literally, in your life, you should be more adaptive in every sense of the word.
0: So, Caitlin, once again, thanks for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me on the show.
0: (laughs) It's been my pleasure. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and do let Caitlin and I know what you thought of the episode by tagging us over on Instagram at Caitlin.com. And her leg name dot rex. And at James O. Roberts 11. And again, you can do the same on Twitter and Facebook. Again, do check out Caitlin's website. www.bemoreadaptive.org And again, do check out my free content at fitamputee.co.uk forward slash free dash resources make sure to check those links out the links will be in the description you can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipsin.com under the category general so once again thanks for listening and i'll catch you next week for another episode of the mindset athlete podcast